My career sucks. Sex just isn't the same. What's my purpose? Where did this fat come from? My relationship is killing me. I'll never be happy. My debt is piling up. I'll never find love. Why can't I be like other gay guys? Hey guys, it's time to get a grip, stop whining, make a bold move, and do something amazing with your 40-plus gay life. Let's get to the show with your tell-it-like-it-is host, Rick Clemens, who does his best to never act like a dick or a diva unless you act like one first. All right, so let's admit it, guys. Many of us as gay men grew up, grew up, grew up hiding and pretending to be something we are, but we were trying to fit in and be that person we were meant to be. And for many of us, that man like, hey, we're just going to hide and, you know, not let anybody see all this stuff that we're not supposed to let people see. And then for a lot of us, even at 40 plus years old, we may still be isolating and feeling super, super alone. But we let success and pretending to be something that we're not cover it all up until that pain becomes so great. Oh, you just sigh and go, okay, I can't do this no more. Cannot do this no more. Well, I am super, super excited to have a guest back on, not this podcast, but back doing a podcast with me. We did a podcast a few years ago and he's amazing. He's walked in similar shoes to mine. I don't know that we fit in the same size heels, but you never know. We haven't compared <laughs> shoe sizes, but um, his name is... Dr. Lauren A. Olson. He is an MD, author, fun guy. He kind of been been with his man a few years too, which we and he and I kind of have in common. Not as long as he has, but I love what he's bringing to the world right now as we speak. He's got a brand new book out called No More Neckties, a memoir and essays. And I'm telling you, he's releasing some stuff he hasn't like divulged before. But from love and heartbreak to cheating and forgiveness to suicide and secrets, he's just, he's covering it all. In fact, he's the first to admit, he goes, yeah, I'm a big old gay queen. The old being the big part there, right? But um, Lauren, I'm so excited to have you back, man. Thank you for being here with us today. Oh, thank you, Rick, for having me again. I'm uh, really pleased to do it. I'm looking forward to the This is exciting, man. Book, <laughs> book coming out, you know, you yeah, got I oh. Oprah's knocking on your door going, come on, let's talk, right? Oh, I'm, I'm waiting for the movie producers too, you know? <laughs> the hair and makeup, you know? Yeah, it's all, yeah. like, like, turn that gray. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> and people always joke like, oh, you're bald. Yeah, you got a problem with that? I am pretty happy being bald. So, um, but I'm so happy for you having this book come out. I know it's a little bit, well, a little bit different than your first one, right? Yes, it is. Uh, it's a lot more personal. The first one was uh, more... Uh, a combination of um, my story with some gay history and also right. some psychology in it. This one is pure memoir uh, related to all the memories of the hard stuff in my life and some of the good stuff in my life and uh, how I got through it, I guess. So just for our listeners, because, you know, this is 40 plus gay men, gay talk. When did what age did you come out of the closet? Let's kind of start there, because that's a big part of this story. Well, you know, how do you know? Uh, because right. it's such a, you know, it's a process that begins uh, before you know it and, right. and it ends uh, later. But I always say uh, at age 40, uh, it was during that uh, sort of three or four years that I went f uh, from the transition of being married to my wife. Uh, I'd been <clears throat> married to her for 18 years and we had two kids. And uh, after 18 years of marriage, I left uh, and uh, uh, then 
I began the process of becoming out uh, on a very slow basis at first. Right, right. And it's interesting when you you know, have a book like your first one, kind of similar to me. My first one's a little bit of like, here's my story. And then here's some like tips and tricks on how to kind of go through this. And then I don't know if this is what happened for you. I, I've got book number two staring at me here on the corner of my desk going, when are you going to finish editing me? Um, but book number two came from a kind of like that deeper space within me. Like, okay, it isn't anything for the gay community. Well, it's for anybody, but there's a deeper sense within that, like, okay, I really am digging in. Is that how this feels for you? Yeah, it did. I, I think uh, in the, the first book was really kind of to ask, answer the question, how could I be so stupid not to know I was gay until I was 40? Uh, right. And uh, this one is really uh, does dig very deep into some areas of my life, which are quite personal. Uh, and I'm uh, a little nervous about that because as you know, when you write, you write your story, but you're also telling a story of people you love and right. you worry about what their response is going to be to it. Yeah. And then depending on how things are in their world and then their people and their people. And suddenly this is just like the ripple effect. Like, you yeah, know, if I say right. something, I mean, I remember not long ago, well, it feels like ages ago because it was the year before COVID hit that I was on a stage and I had done my talk numerous times. And this was a little bit different talk because it was a little more, I don't, I don't know, it was an entrepreneurial, like change the world type event. And I was using my coming out story as a metaphor for like coming out to have impact in the world and being who you are and showing up to what you're drawn to show up to and your passion, purpose, et cetera, et cetera. And I remember this woman coming up to me <laughs> going, does your ex-wife know you talk about this stuff? I'm like, yeah. Oh, well, you're an asshole. I'm like, Okay. <laughs> Thank you very much. You're not the first to call me that. So, and it won't be the last and you won't be the last, you know, and uh, you know, it's so interesting given where we're sitting in our world these days to see that, like, could we possibly, could we possibly like be starting to roll this back? And now maybe everybody will start to go, okay, I'm going to like <laughs> the metaphor of your book, you know, like, you know, the necktie, like, okay, you know, let's put the neckties back on and let's pretend to be something we're not in your world. That was probably one of the biggest drivers of you really, truly were like buttoned up, pretending to be something you're not and showing up doing the right things. Right. Yes. And I think, you know, uh, you and I, both know what that freedom is like when you finally get honest with yourself yeah. and with others and, and you can explore that world that you have uh, uh, ignored for so long or buried for so long. And there's such a sense of peace and freedom that comes with that, uh, that uh, it is very frightening to think that we could go back to, you know, having neckties that choke us uh, again, like we had before. Right. And, you know, I lived through the McCarthy area. I lived through all the HIV uh, uh, craziness, and uh, it wouldn't take much to go back to uh, that time. And it's very frightening in many ways. Yep. It's very frightening. And, you know, there's days that I think about, you know, okay, let's, I'm going to say this without it sounding like, oh, I think I'm a, such a celebrity or that you're such a celebrity, but we're pretty much publicly, we're publicly known. There isn't, yeah. 
there isn't any getting around this, right? Yes. And I, it's the first time in all the years, because I'm like 500 and some episodes on Life on Closet, and this is episode 174 or something on this one. And it's like, my footprint is out there. It's not like taking over the world, but it's out there. And I'm like, there's no hiding for me. You know, no. there's just, there is no hiding. So if we go backwards, I don't, I don't know where to go run, so to speak, yeah. you know, and I hope I don't have to, but you know, those thoughts are definitely crossing my mind a little bit more these days than they used to. You know, I think the thing that I find reassuring though, Rick, is that in my day-to-day life, mm-hmm. um, I don't run into any of that uh, negativity. Um, my friends all know they're not all gay friends. I have gay friends, straight family. My family all knows. Everybody who knows me pretty much knows that I'm gay. And right. I hear none of that pushback from them. It's all really uh, a uh, an attempt, I think, uh, to divide us politically. Yep. Uh, and has nothing to do with uh, whether or not we should have the rights we've gained uh, and the freedoms that we enjoy. Right. So the reason I even started this podcast is I was well beyond my, my 40th year. <laughs> and then suddenly I started having a lot of guys show up in my world that like, you know, I just can't seem to get my shit together or I'm really struggling. I want to be in a relationship or, Oh my gosh, my career is a mess. And of course the majority of these guys ended up being gay men. And then suddenly I'm like, okay, well, Maybe I should start a podcast like that's for guys over 40. Now, when I hit 40, I was barely out of the closet. I mean, I had come out when I was 36, so I was a few years into it. But I have to say a lot of the stuff I started facing at 40 years old in our lovely gay community was pretty darn challenging because the ageism stuff wasn't bad in the 40s, but it was definitely there. And now that I'm late 50s, it's like okay, I'm starting to really see it to some degree and not that I give a shit because I'm married to a great guy, but how was it for you? Uh, because you came out right at your forties. So like, yeah. was there suddenly like this huge, I know there was the freedom and the oh, sigh of relief, but was there anything at like 40 something you're like, Oh wait, do I actually even fit in this freaking community? Did you experience some of that? Uh, I think it was too new at that time to really think about it. Uh, you know, everybody was saying uh, uh, your gay life at thir- is over at 30, and I was well beyond that already. And, um, you know, I was comfortable with it. I think uh, it was about 50 when I began to have some question about, uh, is this the way I want to live my life? And, and uh, uh, part of that uh, Rick was uh, because there were be- beginning to be physical changes in my body, uh, and uh, you know the masculine ideal that we have is this V-shaped body with muscles and stuff, and I was never like that, you know, uh, and I knew I wasn't like that ideal, and I was at a, a gay resort and I was walking back to my room, uh, and I've always been a big guy. And as I walked back to my room, this younger guy, good looking guy, uh, was uh, passing me on the sidewalk. We were just meeting and he put his uh, finger right under my chin and uh, slid it all the way down to my dick and said, delicious. Well, uh, I was stunned by that because I was uh, an older man. I didn't think there was any possibility 
that because of my age and because of my weight that anybody would find me attractive at all. And, and we, we just kept walking past each other. But I, you know, at first I thought, does he see what I see? And, right. and, the, and, and the truth is he didn't, you know, he saw mm. something and, you know, it, it brings up the issue of why are we attracted to the people we're attracted to? Uh, and uh, there is no universal definition for what turns us on. But everybody in the gay community, <laughs> everybody in the gay community, sometimes seems to think that I'm like, really? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's very yeah. interesting to say the least. Yeah, I, uh, you know, and I, I know I, I know I just generalize, guys. So please don't throw daggers <laughs> and send me hate mail, please. I, I'm using that more as. And I'm sure there's a lot of people listening that are like sitting there shaking their head going, "Uh uh-huh, yep, exactly. exactly." But on the other hand, you know, another thing that I've discovered, Rick, is that there's a lot of very young, very hot, very athletic guys who are attracted to older men. Uh, And that was also part of that reckoning that came to me at that time was to realize, and at first I didn't trust it. Uh, I thought it was just sort of a a manipulation or he wanted something from me or or something like that. But what I have found uh, through the years is I get hit on more now than I did maybe when I was 40, just by, uh, and these are young, uh, very attractive, very successful men. uh, And uh, it shocked me. I didn't believe it. but it's real. It is. And it's interesting. That's all I, I mean, you know, and we all do. I wish people would just realize we like what we like, you know, and I have found myself throughout the years. I'm a big guy too. So of course I think us big guys kind of look in the mirror and go, why would, (laughs) I mean, you know, why? Cause I'm, well, I shouldn't say I'm not attracted to bigger guys because I've noticed over the years, like, my tastes have shifted and changed and what I'm really into. And yeah, I mean, a hot muscle guy with nice abs and nice ass and everything. I'm like, okay, that's nice. But then there's guys I'm really super attracted to that they've got a nice little, you know, pooch tummy and very little <laughs> chest. And I'm like, I'll take that. Yeah, there's yeah. something to play with there. You know, the other ones I'm like, does that, am I going to break this as I strum <laughs> down those abs? You know? yeah. <laughs> that's, that's but it exactly is an that. interesting thing to watch in general, because, yeah. you know, I have, I have heterosexual friends and there's a couple of guys that I'm like, really, why are you with her? You know, uh-huh. cause you're yeah. super hot. And yeah. I finally did have a conversation with one of my buddies, like, okay, you're really a dang hot guy. He knows that. I always say like, you know, I just go to bed at night thinking about you, man. He's like, <laughs> shut up. Just shut up. I don't need to hear that, Rick. But I finally like, you know, got to the point as a friend. I said, okay, I'm going to go somewhere with you, man. I'm going to ask a question and please don't beat me up. But I'm yeah. just curious, like what attracted you to your wife? Cause she's a big girl, like a big girl. And he goes, I just love her. Yeah. I just can love her. Yeah. And there's not a lot of bullshit that goes around. He goes, I have friends who are like, They've got the trophy wife and they've got the great body and they both have the great bodies and all they do is spend time working on their bodies and they don't have anything between them. He goes, I don't want that. Yeah. Yeah. I I want something real. I understand exactly what you're saying. I think, yeah, there really is no one who has explained 
why we're attracted uh, to each other and what uh, that draws us together. And there, you know, there are studies in animal kingdom about those kinds of things, um, but nothing in uh, uh, anything that I know anyhow uh, tells us why we are attracted to certain people and not to others. Um, but uh, I think it's important for us all to realize that oftentimes we don't feel good about ourselves because we don't like the kind of person we're attracted to. We, we don't think we look like the person we're attracted to. And we measure ourselves by that standard or by the, the universal gay yep. stereotype. And, and when we make that comparison, we don't, we don't fare very well. Uh, and that leads to a lot of people that being dissatisfied with themselves. Well, and it's not just the universal gay standard. I mean, it's just the universal human standard. Like yeah. this is what beauty is and this is yeah. what's attractive and da, 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 you know, I mean, we're surrounded by it daily. And then, of course, you know, in, in the quote unquote midst of the pandemic, even though I realized we're not out of this thing yet, folks, but um, I started laughing like, oh, you know what? I feel so sorry because everybody on the fucking planet's getting fat. Yay. <laughs> finally, you know, <laughs> But um, it's such a, it is an interesting concept. And I know for me, like, as I was going through my coming out journey, which it's, I, I hate even saying it that way. It's a continuing journey. We're always yeah. coming out folks. It doesn't yeah. stop. It doesn't stop. But as I was really starting to work through that, this whole body image thing was huge. Yeah. And I see that more in my practice with gay men than probably between body image and let's just say material, you know, perspectives of what you have or don't have. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. It's exhausting. And I hope yeah. none of my clients are listening because you're not exhausting me. You're not exhausting me. Trust me. But it, it's, <laughs> it's just very interesting to see how those two things are the drivers. Right there. I think, you know, uh, one of the things that I was thinking about uh, as I was uh, thinking about talking with you is that, you know, there are studies that show that the happiest people are over 50 years old. And I think uh, that that's generally true because I agree. You know, you reach uh, a plateau professionally. You've, you've uh, gone about as far as you can go. Maybe, you know, at least there isn't too much more. Uh, and um, uh, at, at about 60, I really began to look at uh, how I wanted to spend my time and how I wanted to choose my friends and what I wanted to do with my life. Yep. And, you know, and I was able at that point to have enough money to not have to work as hard, which made a huge difference. I wasn't driven by the testosterone of the dollar. Uh, or, and uh, and uh, even though I had some uh, changes in my sexual uh, functioning, um, uh, I was able to learn to deal with that. And uh, gosh, life just got better. Um, you know, I'm, I'm 79 and I still work. I, I don't work nearly like I used to. Right. I, uh, but I uh, obviously just wrote the book and I, I still do, uh, practice clinical psychiatry uh, some, but I can do it when and where I want to. Uh, yep. And uh, that's great to have that freedom uh, that you don't have when you're younger. It is, it is great. And I, I, you know, I'm 58 and I, my forties were one of my favorite decades. Yeah. And then suddenly as I came into the fifties, I had a little rough start in the fifties because when I turned 50, my oldest daughter 
I mean, see if I get this right. My oldest daughter started college. My youngest daughter started high school and I turned 50 all in the time frame of three weeks. I was a freaking mess. <laughs> and I had never, I have never been that guy like concerned about age or anything. And I'm like, wow, milestone, 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 all hitting at once. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, first one's really gone out of the house. So that was a new experience. And, you know, even though I was divorced and, you know, kids were back and forth between both places for a long time. And I realized, but that's okay, because this is preparing you for what's coming next. You know, yeah. now I'm starting, I'm going to be knocking on the door of 60 coming up and I'm trying not to be my own father because he freaked, <laughs> the, he freaked the fuck out when he turned 30. I'm like, really? What was that all about, man? And, <laughs> and now as he's, uh, it's so bad that I can't remember how old my dad is. Uh, I think he's going to be, well, let's see. Uh, yeah. He's going to be 70. He may be 78 or 79 this year. Uh-huh. And yeah. he's a mess. Well, not a bad mess, but there's there's definitely some messy like in his head about this stuff. And I'm really super trying not to go there. Now, I'm in pretty damn good shape, but I mean, I'm sitting here today like, okay, there's a pain in my back that <laughs> I can't <laughs> get rid of it. And it's driving me freaking nuts. It's like, okay, but I got to sit and work. I got to get the work done. Right. And I'm like, I'm doing the stretches. I'm like, okay, I'm trying to move it. I'm like, thank God. Thank God. I'm going to, you know, the massage guy tomorrow night because yeah. I was like, okay, yeah, I know he'll probably work on it. We're supposed to go to LA the next day. He'll probably work on it so hard that I won't even be able to move. And of course we're going to <laughs> theater and see a show on Saturday. I'm like, I will be in pain. This will be my pain day. But, um, but well, well, I, as yeah. As you've done this and moved through this, what is something that you've learned the most? I mean, I know the book has a lot of stuff in it and I want to get into some yeah. of that. But as you've moved from 40s coming out, meeting your husband, moving into that whole experience, and now here you are, 79 years old, what is something that you're, I mean, I love that you're like, I'm just good because I'm, I'm feeling those pieces too. Like, I really don't give a shit what anybody thinks anymore. It's like- yep. I don't have time for that energy. Um, Well, there's some I do care. It's like, okay, all you idiots out there pushing really ridiculous agendas. I do care about you. But, you know, in general, if somebody doesn't like me, oh, well. Yeah, I think that's uh, absolutely true. You know, uh, I think everybody uh, at some point goes through a process of saying, um, uh, I have a... uh, certain number of years left in my life and do I want to live the second half of my life the way I lived the first half and I think that's why we see a lot of men coming out in that age range of uh, 35 to 50 uh, because they've discovered that uh, they just don't want to live that way any longer but you know there really there's only two things that are true about aging and and uh, one of them is uh, we lose people we love you know that's hard and the second is our, we do have parts of our body that fall apart a bit uh, but, but that's about the only thing that's really true and I think for you and, and for me, the reason that we say excited about living is that we, we're passionate about something. And I think that that's what makes people feel young. I, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I, I just had, uh, did an interview and the, the woman said, oh, you don't look 79. I thought, 
why the fuck can't I look 79? Why can't 79 be this? You know, right. Yeah. Are you surprised I'm still alive? Right. You know? Do you uh, want me to show that I have a pulse still? I mean, come yeah, on. Right. You know, uh, so mm. I, I mean, I, I, uh, I like to tell people how old I am uh, mm -hmm. because I want people to know that uh, it doesn't have to be a period of decline where right. there's nothing but loss. It's just right. not that way at all. If, but you, you know, you have to work at it. It's not going to mm -hmm. come fall in your lap. Well, other things might fall in our lap, but we, <laughs> we may not be able to do anything well, with it. Maybe days, not but... as often as they used to, but <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> but you know, it's interesting because I go swim pretty, pretty consistently almost every day. If not every other day, I'm in at the local swimming pool, not trying to pick up guys. Don't get that idea. <laughs> well, there's some, I know which days, like I know which days I'm going to go swim and what time because oh, look, that speedo looks really nice on him. Um, but it's so funny because one of the gals who checks us in, takes our tickets and, you know, cause I I'm on like the, I'm on the senior pass. So let's just, let's go there. Right. <laughs> So every time I go to buy new passes, she's like, now let's see. Oh, uh, oh, the green ones. I'm like, no, it's the gold ones. I'm a senior. And she goes, really? You really don't, you got to be pulling my leg. I'm like, we've had that. How many times have we now had this conversation? Now she's also a straight woman. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. girl, I know you're flirting with me. I know it, but <laughs> I've talked about my husband <laughs> numerous <laughs> times with you. Nothing is going to happen here between us, but it's that first it's flat, you know, I feel flattered, but it also like, well, why can't I look like this at 58 years old? You know, exactly. I, I'm, exactly. I'm really proud that I do have some, some really good genes in my family. Cause if you saw my parents, you would like be like, really? That's, yeah. you know, they, they don't look that dad more so than mom these days. But um, I mean, as I'm, you know, I'm starting to go, wait, I'm getting dad's chin. We got to <laughs> cut this off. Please get rid of it. You know, uh, let it go. Let it go. Yeah, exactly. But um, <laughs> it's such an interesting thing to watch this because I know one of the things you address in the book is like being old and gay. Yeah. And this is a big thing in our community. Not that it isn't in, but I think it actually is exacerbated in the gay male community. Like, Oh no. Yeah, you're I, I think, you're beyond you're beyond being put out the pasture. You're beyond the pasture. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think you know part of it is uh, those of us who are old um, accept that reality instead of mm -hmm. raising our voices and saying, "Hey, we've got a voice, and you, you need to listen to some of what we have to say." Uh, and uh, we've you know we have this history we have all these experiences and there's a certain amount of wisdom that comes just from living those experiences and it uh, it's a waste to think that uh, uh people don't appreciate that um but uh i really uh, am very comfortable being old I, i'm and talking about it and uh, i don't worry about it you know the, the nice part of it is rick is that I have the friends that I want to have. I don't yep. have to, uh, I, I don't try and be friends with people that I don't like because somehow they're going to give me an advantage. I don't have to, one of the things that uh, led to the title of the book was when my mother died, I, I decided I would never go to a cocktail party to network with people that I knew I wouldn't like, you know? And uh, the, the second thing I uh, 
said that I was never going to sit through a boring lecture. I mean, how many times have we gone and sat and punished ourselves by listening to somebody drone on who really didn't have a message or delivered it so badly that it was not worth listening to? And I don't have enough time left in my life to waste on on that kind of event. And that's where the no more neckties came from. It was mm. uh, the three promises that I made to my myself when my mother died. You know, uh, and um, that's really been uh, a blessing to me uh, to uh, focus on the friendships of, and the, the family uh, that I love and I want to be with and fuck it if they don't like it. Right. You know? Exactly. One of my good girlfriends said something on a Facebook post just the other day. She goes, you know, you've arrived when you're old enough to walk out of movie theater and you don't even give a shit that you pay for it. <laughs> I'm like, yes. <laughs> I mean, there yeah. were days like, oh no, I can I, no matter how yeah. bad the movie is, I'm staying, you know. And yeah. I'm like, I won't. I mean, I even I can't say that I've done this yet, but there's it's it's I've been pretty close even to a couple of theater productions. I'm like, okay, I paid for this, but I just I really no. want to walk out. You Why know, because, pay for it twice? Right, you yeah, know, yeah. and if by the intermission now, my hubby's not as <laughs> He's like, well, but we're here. I'm like, bitch. Yeah. I'm, okay, I'll I'll meet you in the lobby because I can't watch this any longer. You know. Yeah, I, I hear that with books too. People start reading books and they, well, I've got to finish it because I started it. Right. Uh, why? I mean, right. uh, if you get a hundred pages into it and you don't like right. what it's saying, uh, now of course I, we don't want that to happen to our books. <laughs> we don't want people to get to, like, no, well, oh my god, I'm going to throw this aside. Well, but, uh, no, the last chapter of my book's the best chapter. <laughs> right. So, so okay, let's cue that up. You've got to get to the last chapter. So, but it is interesting because i mean we actually said that we did this as a, a team exercise um at the company that i work for yes i'm, I'm working for a company not just doing all this I, I do so this is what i'm proud of i'm 58 years old i do have work for a full-time job again now which i said i'd never freaking do again but i love the company i get to work with i have a full coaching practice on top of that plus i'm right so hey if i'm doing this at 58 Listen up, guys, you can do this at 40. So get out of your freaking heads. You can make this happen. But we did a little exercise this week in our team where it's like, what's something that you have started that you haven't completed and you feel guilty about? And I thought that was a really cool icebreaker question. Like, you know, it is. <laughs> I hope it's not sex, but um, <laughs> you know. <laughs> But it, it was really cool to hear, like, is it a is it a movie? Is it a play you've been to? Is it a book you've started? And it was so interesting to see your coworkers, like, ooh, what did you know they said? And it's just kind of interesting to say, hey, I I give myself permission. I I've reached that space in life where walking away from something is just walk away. Just I do a similar exercise sometimes with patients. Uh, uh, I ask them to uh, write their resume not as it is, but as they want it to read five years from now. Mm -hmm. um, but I think, you know, people need to somehow visualize what that future is that they want. So then they can kind of measure their progress toward that goal. Uh, and uh, a lot of people find that sort of thing helpful. Just uh, to, you, you, you need to appreciate the moment and live in the present. But right. at the same time, it's important to have some visualization of where you want to be. And uh, it may not be where you are now by a long shot. I was talking to another client of mine. And she, so this company I work for, we, we work with professional speakers, helping them build their speaking business. And we get people from all walks of life and everything. And 
God bless this gal. I mean, she's 82 years old. So yeah, I'm going to be a speaker. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> okay, you go girl. And I mean, she is like, she's figured out how to do social media. She's using CRMs and all this sort of stuff. So I'm sharing this with another student who's like, this is so hard. I just, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I'm like, okay, but you're like in your mid thirties, right? I said, you don't have to tell me how old you are. Yeah. I'm like, can I just tell you a story about somebody else in this program? And I told that story and she's like, are you serious? I'm like, I'm dead serious. She's 82 years old. She's doing the same program you're doing. And she's not trying to slay the world because all she wants to do is talk, you know, to people about dementia and Alzheimer's and, and she wants to do it virtually. And she's got her cushy little red recliner that she's going to sit in front of her camera and talk about this stuff. And she only cares if she makes 500 to maybe even a thousand bucks a month doing what she's doing. Yeah. You know, even if she never gets there, she's got a a sense that there's still something left in her life that she has something uh, meaningful to do and to give to others. And uh, it'll uh, keep her alive a lot longer, I think. So, so let's go to the place that I know you cover. There's a couple of places in the book that I know you cover. Because a lot of the guys that are listening, uh-huh. they're, in, they're in their early freaking 40s. And they're like, oh, my God, my sex drive. I'm like, bitch, shut the fuck up. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Or this body image stuff is preventing them. Like, who's going to want me? So what's something that you've learned? And I know you talk about this in the book to some degree. But what's something like you've discovered about yourself around your body image and sexuality that you're like, hey, it's 79 years old. I'm good. Well, uh, uh, what I like to say is slow sex is the best sex, for one thing, you know, and as you get older, slow sex is kind of the only sex you can have, maybe. Um, But, you know, for young men, oftentimes, uh, they stop making love when they start having sex. You know, it's, it's as soon as they insert that the cock wherever they put it uh they stop with all the other stuff that goes along with it uh and i feel that you know that uh that uh, it creates a lot of anxiety for a lot of men because if they start having some difficulty with uh, unpredictable erections or not being able to ejaculate or any of those things then they really start to beat up on themselves because they can't see sex in a broader context than just you know uh, erection, insertion, ejaculation, do it over again. You know, that's kind of the baseline for a lot of men's thinking. And I see over and over that men of all ages don't understand the natural evolution of our sex life. And I, I have a handout on my website uh, about that, you know, to help people understand that there is a progression that goes on. But, you know, the major thing to know is that uh, uh, our sex desired uh, it persists until we die you know we may have some trouble with erections we may not ejaculate and shoot it over our shoulder you know uh, we may struggle with some of those things but sexual desire and satisfaction can remain constant even as old as i am you know right. uh uh, I may not have a uh, sexual desire to the same level, but 
some people talk about being freed from the tyranny of testosterone mm -hmm. because you, you know you're always following your dick around uh and you know there can be a kind of freedom that comes from that uh with the idea and you know, I talked about uh, these younger guys who are attracted to older men. Many of them really are attracted to older men because of that concept of cuddling, slow sex, lovemaking uh, as a higher priority than ejaculation. You know, that's kind of what they're drawn to sexually. Uh, uh, and uh, I think the other thing is that um, we can have a lot of fun having sex without ever ejaculating. I mean, I know that that's sort of the the uh, goalpost sort of thing, you know, that everybody right. wants wants to get to. But sometimes you can't. Maybe it's prostate surgery. Maybe mm -hmm. you, know, you know they have uh, retrograde ejaculation, they ejaculate into their bladder and never see any evidence and right. you know of it. Um, but orgasms, Rick, are in our head. Yep. Not not on, not on our dick, you know, mm -hmm. and and we, we have to have the mindset that we want to have a, have a satisfying sexual relationship with ourselves and our partner as well. I. I was well, it's been, I don't know, eight, nine, not even eight months ago, <clears throat> I had a kidney stone, which I'm prone to have, but I haven't I hadn't had one in like 10, 12, 14, something like yeah. that, 14 some odd years. Right. So of course we're on vacation. We're in Provincetown. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> okay, of course, you know, we're having a great time. And of course, Provincetown, we took the ferry from Boston and uh -huh. you know, suddenly I'm having this kidney stone. There isn't a freaking hospital around. Right. But I didn't know that that's what it was, but I kind of suspected after the second day, like, Oh, I think this is what's going down. <laughs> it wasn't going down. Otherwise it would have been done over. <laughs> but, um, <clears throat> so we finally got back to Boston and hubby was flying home and I had to go on to Florida for a work trip. And so I got right into the hospital, went to the ER, Boston General or whatever it was. And <clears throat> they put me on, you know, Flomax, Tamilson. And I'm like, okay, cool. Ah, <laughs> relief, right? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I freaked the fuck out because I'm like, well, you know, I'm not going to see Heavy for a whole week. And suddenly, like, after, you know, four days of like, oh, we were on this fun, romantic, you know, <laughs> anniversary trip. And then I can't even do anything because I'm in pain, right? And of course, the whole time that I'm I'm trying to figure out what's going on, I'm sleeping on the couch instead of in the bed. And yep. so I'm like, well, maybe something's wrong here. And I'm trying to, you know, jerk off and adjust. nothing's happening. And of course, oh, wow. Okay. So get the medication, right? Mm -hmm. Nothing's happening. So of course, then I'm in my head going, oh, this is more than a kidney stone. I'm, I'm, I'm never going to ejaculate again, right? Yeah. Yeah. So for the four or five days I was traveling without hubby, you know, I'm like, I'm like a little teenager in my bedroom at night. Like, of okay, course, come on, come on, come on, come on. Of course, you know, of just course. prove to me that. Yeah. So then I get back and I was back home for about a week and a half before I went to see my urologist. And I'm like, okay, so what's going on, doc? You know, well, no, the stone's there, but it looks like it's moved. And there's another one. I'm like, don't tell me there's another one. Because it's not very big. And I said, but well, okay, so but here's the thing. He goes, I said, here's what's happening. He goes, Well, of course that's what's happening. You're on this medication that doesn't help you do that. I'm like, well, it would have been nice if somebody would have, you know, but I was all up in my head and I'm going, Rick, you said you weren't gonna be this guy. As you age, you're gonna get really comfortable with this. Yeah. Now, which is interesting because what I have gotten super comfortable with is not having to fuck. Like mm -hmm. I just, I, I, I enjoy it every once in a while, but man, I just, uh, 
like let's just like wrap those arms around let's like stroke let's let's just kid like to me it's okay yeah there's nothing like a really good fuck but yeah yeah I, sometimes i'm just like that's a whole lot of work too <laughs> <laughs> Can we just do this? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean it, it really is. You know, uh, it, it takes time. And, you know, uh, we often don't set a, enough time uh, for that activity. You know, uh, it's like, I, I, you know, I, one of the stories I tell is that I blew up my knee having sex. And, I, right. and, and people will say, oh, yeah, I, I wish I'd have sex like that sometime. I'd say, no, you don't. You know, no, you don't. Was, it was ordinary sex. It was routine sex. It made me feel like my body was falling apart. And another one thing I talk about sometimes, Rick, is that uh, we talk about sexual performance, and I think that is an absurd word to use. Why yep. do we think of it as performance? You know, and uh, you know, it should be sexual pleasure that we're looking mm -hmm. for, not a performance. And uh, I see these young guys who come in and they talk about having difficulty and uh, they're uh, struggling maybe with some erectile dysfunction. And uh, what they tend to do is to try and fuck faster to get there quicker, yep. which is absolutely the wrong thing, wrong to, thing do. to do. You know, you, you really need to back away from it, go back to lovemaking, enjoying the, the pleasure of each other's body, taking the pressure off. But but they tend to really want to uh, prove themselves. And the more, harder they work at it, the less fun it becomes and the more difficulty they have. And then it sets in this whole thing into inside uh, your head. Uh, I'm losing it. I'm never going to be able to do this right. again. And it becomes a vicious cycle. But... Again, back to our lovely little gay community. So many guys like learn everything they learn about gay sex through gay porn. And all it is is just fuck, 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 you know, and yeah. it's and it's like, you know, shove the cock in the ass, shove the cock down the throat and, you know, get off and boom down. So suddenly here we become conditioned to do this. Right. And then you go and ask yourself, why then do we get so upset when suddenly I can't do this, this sexual performance thing. I'm supposed to be able to do this. Really? Yeah. You've done, I, you've done this to yourselves, guys. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I enjoy porn as much as the next person. And you know, <gasps> sometimes it's Clutch only, my pearls. <laughs> <laughs> you know, sometimes it's the only thing available. Sometimes it's right, easier. Right. Sometimes it's quick and easy, you know, when you want to get off. And, and uh, uh, you know, there are a lot of reasons we turn to porn and there's nothing wrong with it. But what you say is absolutely true. It's not good sex education. And we can't use it in that fashion to uh, and uh, compare our uh, uh uh, sexual pleasure with the performance that we see on the videos because there's a lot of stuff that contributes to why those things are, are extreme we wouldn't watch them if they weren't you know uh but um uh it, it really can uh, be discouraging uh and a lot of people a lot of men just get hung up on the idea that they're losing it and never going to have good mm -hmm. sex again you know just yeah. Uh, one of my most recent favorite shows and it had it was kind of interesting because there wasn't a gay there were, well there were lesbian couples on the show but there weren't any gay couples i'm like mm, okay i love you gwyneth paltrow but your sex love and goop netflix special <laughs> that you did was really good because it took couples through like 
there were several couples on the show. There was an older heterosexual couple. There were two lesbian couples. There was an interracial couple. And all this was around like their sexual intimacy, all this sort of stuff. And they brought these different experts in. And it was a little uncomfortable to kind of watch at times because I'm like, okay, well, that's that's me and my hubby, right? <laughs> right <there. laughs> you know, and but yet what I found most fascinating through the entire show was how it kept coming back to, but what if you just quit focusing on what you perceive needs to happen mm-hmm. and just be with what is happening? Yeah, like yeah. be right there. And, you know, you work as, as a psychologist in this arena. I work as a coach with guys in this arena. And sometimes, and I have been known <laughs> with the right client to say, why don't you just chill the fuck out, man? Okay, just chill out because you don't have to be the porn star. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. And you just reach into yourself, like literally like reach deep into yourself and say, in this moment, what would I most enjoy? And of course, then I always follow that with, and how do you learn to start asking for that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I mean, because uh, there's that... this weird thing like about asking for what you want in sex, and then it's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's a hard conversation. And well, it almost guy. makes you feel. It's almost like, oh, if you have to ask for what you want, oh, that makes me like feel weak. But then it's going to make my partner feel like I'm like, no, we should be able to ask these questions and explore yeah. these things. One of the things that I. Uh, uh, thought about when you were talking earlier is that uh one thing about masturbation is that there's no relationship issues you know uh, there's no negotiation you can chase whatever weird fantasy you have Mm because there's something for everybody uh and there's no uh uh but the issue of you know when we have sex with other people we have to uh negotiate all the elements in our relationship Mm -hmm. and the the uh, when we don't talk about the hard stuff that you're talking about uh, in our sexual desires, it pulls us apart. We, we turn away from each other and we turn to maybe using porn as a way of satisfying those urges that diminishes our sexual desire with our partner and it can drive a wedge. And in fact, that was some of what was going on with Doug and me at the time that we went through a tough time in our relationship. Well, we, we, and, I, and I think most people, if you say, Okay, this is this is what we're going through. This is the tough time we're having in this space. So don't just button up and not talk about it. Oh, yeah, exactly. That's the time to like truly start talking about it. And it's hard. I mean, it's hard to uh, say, you know, I'd, I'd like to have another person come into our relationship. Right. You know, yeah. or I'd like to try something piss play you know right. I, you know all, all those kind i mean you name any number of different kinds of things which you know and we we're afraid to talk about them. we're afraid that we're some it's the same thing about we had we went through when we first came out as gay where we were ashamed to talk about something that didn't seem like it fit the value system that we had uh and uh, we being able to talk about those hard things gets us closer in the relationship uh to each other but lauren don't you think a lot of this comes from in general for gay men that we've been shamed into the submission of you know not talking about who we are number one but then when you take guys like you and i which (laughs) 
there's millions of us on the planet, folks. I mean, I know there's not millions listening to this podcast, but there's millions of guys who have been in heterosexual or are currently in heterosexual relationships who are gay or bisexual, and we're not supposed to talk about it. So suddenly you've got this zip it and don't talk about it. And then you have this like, okay, well, now I'm going to go cheat to kind of get my rocks off. And then we're going to not be able to forgive ourselves for doing that. And then the shame shows up. And then you, eventually you will go through the heartbreak of, okay, I'm admitting who I am, or you go through a cheating thing. And suddenly, and I know you talk about this in the new book too, like this cheating, forgiveness, love and heartbreak and all this stuff happens. And unfortunately, sometimes it pushes you to the brink too. Like, yeah. it's just like, let's just exit stage left yeah. and be done. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the secret, the secret, the secrets in, you know, and I think you're going to probably agree with me on this because I paid you a hundred dollars to agree with everything (laughs) I say today um, is that secret thing. And we're still, I mean, let's be honest. We still live in a society where, well, we really should be talking about sex. Yeah. Fuck that. I mean, come on. Yeah. But I think this is part of the reason that so many guys carried this shame to their grave even sometimes oh a lot of them yeah a lot of them do and i i absolutely do agree with you on that uh uh and uh i i uh, one of the reasons i got pretty explicit in the book about some of my own experiences was for that very reason to to help people uh that might feel isolated and alone know that maybe what they're going through it may not be exactly the same thing but uh, uh there is somebody else who struggled with some of these things as well and uh so i put it out there uh, and we'll see what happens well oprah's knocking on your door already so i mean <laughs> <laughs> you know <laughs> with the first book i did get a call from oprah uh, and, uh her producer and then uh they called me back and said, we've gone a different direction. But it, I, I was, I was so excited when I got that call that I, I told my uh, secretary, I said, I got to leave the office. I, I, I just need to go out uh, and, and get some space. And uh, I came back and that night when I left uh, for work, which was like four hours later, I had, I had left my car running all the four hours. <laughs> So uh, at that that's time, awesome. You know, that, that was kind of everybody's dream. And, you know, right. I, I have more modest uh, hopes at this time. I just hope um, that it, it touches the lives of a few people and, right. uh, and I can hear from them and uh, they'll spur me to write some more. I, I know we have gotten to know each other from afar. And every time we get to talk, I, I just enjoy every conversation. And I know you're going to touch lives again um since touching yourself doesn't really do anything these days so <laughs> might as well touch lives right oh i wouldn't i wouldn't go along with you there <laughs> i agree i agree it's so funny because like you know i've had a few people like really you're still having sex i'm like shut the fuck up you know yeah. <laughs> i mean it may, it may look like i'm getting there but you know everything everything still yeah. functions and it's going well, to function probably for a good long time in fact it's interesting because i was just having a conversation with a a heterosexual buddy of mine. <clears throat> We're close. Actually, he's younger than me. And he's a big guy. I mean, he's bigger than I am. And um, so we were kind of having a couple of drinks. And then finally, he's like, I was starting to share like some stuff with him about, you know, gay men and everything. He's like, wow. And he's like, uh, you know, those days have passed for me of even being interested in sex. I'm like, what? <laughs> 
What? Really? <laughs> like, really? Like, and, and, and there, and, but here's what I do know. There's a lot of body image issues with him because yeah. he's big. He's a big, he's a big man. Yeah. And so, of course, he's saying all this. And I said, so let me just give you one more insight to a gay man. I said, all I need to do is take you with me to Bear Week in Palm Springs. And honey, you'll be getting laid like 24 <laughs> seven. He's like, are you serious? I'm like, uh-huh. Uh huh. Uh -huh. You would be because I said you're a big strapping man, and I I, I kind of saw him like kind of sit, sit up a little bit taller. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I'm like, oh, I may have sparked something there, but um, it is it is so interesting, and I'm so just again so happy that you put this book out and yeah. that you're going a little more raw and real. You know, it, yeah. it's not that it we need to. I had somebody once say to me, "Why did you have to go so raw and real?" I'm like, I didn't. I just did. That's all yeah. I did. I, it wasn't like, oh, I'm going to do this for the shock value. I'm going there's a compelling reason that's, this is my personal perspective. There's a compelling reason that some of us feel comfortable enough to put it out there and put it on the line. Mm -hmm. I'm not doing it for like, oh, look at me, look at me. I'm putting it out there because somebody somewhere needs to hear this. Yeah. I don't yeah. even care if it's just one person. I don't even care if today only one person, well, I do kind of care more than one person listens to our podcast today, <laughs> but even if only one person did listen to it and they're like, wow, I feel so much better. Yeah. Because now I realize I'm not alone. Yeah. I am I, not I, by know, myself. I, I feel uh, so bad uh, for those men who feel alone uh, and, my heart really goes out to them because I know that feeling. I know what that was like yeah. when, uh, when we li lived uh, and we shut off part of who we were because we were so afraid of being exposed and we censored every thought, everything we said, we uh, censored all of our behavior. We, we wouldn't laugh at some jokes. You know, we, we, we really were uh, only uh, half a person in a sense and the, the freedom that you can have uh, to uh, live authentically and, and be who you are and, and say, fuck it. If you don't like it, you know, that's, that's a great, great sense of freedom and peace i was just and i think this story will bring that freedom peace um into a good place to wrap up here i was on a flight back from the lovely state of texas and um i got on my flight home to and i live in a small regional town so small smaller plane not tiny but smaller and maybe no more than 100 passengers and only two flight attendants and as soon as I came on, I'm like, oh, this one, wow, this one is definitely gender non-conforming. Strikingly beautiful being, male, but I'm going to say being, um, manicured French nails, beautiful facial structure, makeup, but not a lot, small twinky body, but just beautiful, you know? The uniform was pants, pantsuit with a vest, but but was wearing the low low heels, you know, uniform standard. And then got on the mic to do the light, and it's definitely a male voice. Yeah. And all through that entire flight, I watched them because I'm going to assume them just because of how they presented, like owning who they were. Mm -hmm. And I thought, balls or no balls, because I couldn't, you know, who knows? Um, I'm a, I I. Definitely was like, okay, this can sound really perverted. I'm like, I wonder, I'm looking as I kept walking by going, 
And I thought to have the beautiful freedom and balls to be in that kind of a public space in this tiny little tube flying through the sky and being fully who you are. Yeah. Yep. was amazing to see. And so as I got off the plane and, and they and I kept, we, you know, they would see me like looking at them and checking them out and everything. Not because I wanted to jump their bones, but they were very beautiful. Yeah. As I walked out the door. I said, thank you. And thank you for being fully free to be who you are. Yeah. And they, they just like, I mean, I think they knew they could tell by the way, I kept kind of looking and checking them out. But to me, that's the beauty of what this is. And your book just brings it home. Like, you know, no more neckties, nothing to tie us down, nothing to hold us back, nothing to choke us, literally. Yeah, that's right. Unless, unless that's what you're into, you know? <laughs> but, um, I can't even remember the last time I actually put on a tie. I literally yeah. I hate them. I mean, yeah. well, I can't say I hate them because there is a beauty to a really beautiful tie. God, I just can't stand wearing them. You know? well, I, yeah, I, li- I like neckties too. And in fact, a friend of mine uh, who, uh, is an attorney and he has a drawer full of uh, beautiful, beautiful neckties. Now, what, uh, what are you doing like scurrying through your, your friend's drawers? I'm just telling you. <laughs> no, no, it was a picture. It was a picture. Uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, I said, well, I, I don't have a necktie. And he said, well, you have to have one for funerals, don't you? And I said, no, I don't. I don't wear them. Uh, uh, I, I, I wear, I don't even have a suit. If, it, if it's a jeans, if it's a friend, I wear jeans. Yep. If it's a family, I might dress up a little more, but I'm not going to wear a necktie. And I said, I'm not going to be, I'm going to be cremated. I don't have to wear a tie into the, the furnace, right. you know? Right. So there's, uh, I have no reason to have one. And, uh, but again, it goes back to the whole idea of, uh, uh, that, uh, it's so freeing to be able to say, fuck it. I don't care. Uh, take it or leave it if you leave it that's that's tough i hope somebody walks away from this conversation feeling like they can say fuck it i don't care i do too um because i i respect you so much man and i love these conversations we've been able to have even though we do them now once every decade but (laughs) um but we'll do another one when one of us comes out with another book yeah exactly exactly (laughs) but um whoever's listening because i really do love you lauren um, I had kind of gone away from doing this much, but I want to give somebody a copy of your book. So whoever emails me and guys, I know I say this all the time. If you've already gotten a book, please respect, <laughs> let somebody else get a book. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I love that you want books, but, um, this one, I definitely would encourage all of you. It's called no more neckties. You can get it on Amazon. It's, it's on the way out the doors right now. And I wish you nothing but success, but if you want one of his books, please email me at rick at rickclemens.com and I will get it sent to you on my dime because I just, I want to help you get this out in the world, man. So, uh, thanks um, so much, Rick. I appreciate yeah. that a lot. Okay. So now that hundred dollars I gave you, you owe it back to me. <laughs> <laughs> but um, anyway, so thanks again, Lauren, so much. I so appreciate our conversations and I can't wait to see where all this goes for you. And hopefully it is a raging success. So yeah, you again, know, if it, uh, if it sells a few books and people are touched by it, that's, that's enough for me. Oh, that's awesome. Well, thanks again, my friend. Thank you. That's a wrap for 40 plus gay men, gay talk, where size doesn't matter. We drop our bullshit, get over our screwed up fears, make bold moves and live life without apologies. 
Don't forget to join us on Facebook at 40 Plus Gay Men Gay Talk, where the conversations continue.